everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is a Thursday, and it is time to look at the opponent across enemy lines for Ohio State, as it were. Uh, that's Bill Landis, and I'm Austin Ward. We're normally here, but the guy who's not is our very special guest, Zach Osterman from the Indy Star, one of the finest in the profession, a man with exquisite taste in beer and sports teams, and he's also a Liverpool fan. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, I don't know what you were doing Sunday afternoon, Austin, but uh, I was watching Liverpool finish it off at, at the lesser White Hart Lane. Well, you can't beat that. Uh, and it was probably a more enjoyable experience in covering the Indiana Hoosiers recently. Um, you've been having to, I think, dig through a lot of contracts and talk to the fan base about Tom Allen. And that's probably been a lot of fun for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just fair to say things are are not great just in general for Indiana. The, the team is is frankly getting the results it's performing to. Um, you know, fans are frustrated. I mean, listen, anytime you're losing, fans are restless. But I, I do think that, you know, in some ways, fans have kind of started to join 2022 to 2021. Um, but in some ways, they haven't. And what I mean by that is, 2021 was like intensely disappointing for IU fans because, and I think I, uh, I think I, I said this in the preseason to your, uh, forgive me, your, your, your rivals, uh, <laughs> your rival Doug up at, up in Cleveland. Um, but I said, IU fans are used to being disappointed, but not like that. Not like not being told that they're going to have a good team and it's going to, they're going to go to a bowl and maybe they could get, one of those like, ooh, they beat Ohio State at home on Saturday night in October. You know, they stormed the field upsets um, to just being so abysmal in 2021. It, there was an extent to which, while I think fans were aggressively skeptical after that, there was also this sense of, well, that was a season of extremes, extremely high expectations, extremely low performance, you know, the the the, the valleys and the the peaks and all that. 2022 hasn't really been that it's just it's just been uninspiring and right. so you know while there is an extent to which fans are kind of joining the two to say well we're five and whatever in the last two you know year plus this is not good enough there's also i think just been a little bit more of the sort of normal starting to disengage passion dying apathy that you see when when programs go in this direction and uh, i to be really clear i i don't think tom allen's getting fired um if you ask me my opinion, I don't even think he should get fired, you know, this year. Um, but having said that, you know, Indiana is going to be a, a probably a pretty comfortable underdog in each of its last three games. If that bears out, then five wins in two years is obviously a concerning trend, especially at a place that, you know, because of all of the attendant factors, doesn't tend to have the bounce back ability of just, you know, like a, like a Harbaugh at Michigan, like, no, we're just going to set all this right in one go and boom, we're back there. Mm -hmm. Indiana doesn't have that power most of the time. And so that's, I think, why long-term you're, you're concerned if you're an IU fan or in the administration or whatever. Yeah. Zach, how, how did this happen? Like, was it, is it just that the extent to which the program had taken a step forward in 2020, was that just like really over exaggerated and overstated because that season was so weird, like, or, and, and that, because of that, the expectations got out of whack, or was there a misstep along the way after that season that has not allowed IU to kind of build momentum after it? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's there's there's some micro and some macro to that. First of all, I do kind of reject the idea that like COVID was just a fluke. Like Indiana went to three bowls in five years before the COVID season. Mm-hmm. Um, and between 2015 and 2020, Indiana's worst result in any single season was taking bowl eligibility into the Purdue game and then losing to Purdue. So like there was this, I mean, only once from 2013 to 2020 did Indiana fail to win at least five games. There was a competitive floor that had really been raised for Indiana. And that was across two different coaching staffs as, mm-hmm. as Ohio state fans will know. Um, so, and two coaches that are very different. One's very offensive minded. One's very defensive minded. Kevin Wilson recruited Ohio. Tom Allen recruited Florida. The point is, it, it, you know, there were some obvious differences here that should have been disruptive. If, if this was just sort of a, a Kevin Wilson started something Tom Allen couldn't sustain kind of thing. Um, and none of that happened. I mean, like 2020, as weird as it was, you know, from a, a sort of fan perspective, it's not hard to talk yourself into the idea that like that was just the natural culmination of four or five years of really good, measured, patient, persistent team building and program building at Indiana. Um, you know, at the macro level, I, I my sort of main theory about what happened to Indiana in 2021 was basically that you had a lot of guys that probably felt like they'd accomplished a lot of what they came to Indiana to accomplish. And so then there was this, okay, we're going to go one more time and we're going to go even further. And the fans are going to be with us this time. So we're going to, you know, there'll be field stormings and celebrations, and you know, so all great moments. And then when all of a sudden, you know, you get smacked around at Penn state and you're two and three and Michael Penix is out injured again and you need to look around the room and say, okay, we, we need to just sort of rally together and consolidate and try to get to six and six. I think there maybe were a number of guys in that room that thought, well, I just, I don't know if I've got that in me. I don't, I don't know that I've got that, you know, that, that ability to reset my expectations and, and sort of harden myself against the direction this season is going and, and push back one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, at the micro level, I think a, a big part of what happened is Indiana's offensive line just decayed badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Indiana's offensive line, even if you go back and watch some of those individual games in 2020, um, I mean, there were some, you know, Penn State, which is such a dramatic win for Indiana, um, Ohio State, which was such a dramatic day for Indiana. Offensive line still wasn't playing very well in, in many of those games, and it it really kind of folded in on itself last year and has not improved this year. And so what you've had is – and listen, the, you know, the, the, the defense had a ton of injuries in 2021 and has not quite risen back to the level that we thought it would, given what they returned. Some guys opted to come back for one more year. Tom Allen took over play calling duties again. Um, but I think at the micro level, a lot of it has just been that Indiana has has lost all sense of itself from a competence perspective offensively. And a lot of that starts with it was obviously not limited to offensive line play, not being able to give you a base that allows you to compensate for not having just a ton of, you know, crazy athletic playmakers um, that could, you know, maybe on the the other side compensate for an, an underperforming offensive line. So at the macro level, like I think, I think last year was just sort of like a tailspin nobody could control. And then, you know, you come into this season and there's a lot of sort of resetting expectations and we're going to be tougher and we're going to push back. And they started three and O it was a shaky three and O, but they didn't start three and O. Um, but I think that the micro level, I mean, just frankly, Indiana is not a great football team. And and in, in particular, their weaknesses are where you can't have weaknesses, which is offensive line, uh, 
you know, defensive line, a secondary that's not been bad, but certainly hasn't been as good as we thought it could be. And then therefore underperformance of quarterback, underperformance of skill positions, you know, you can just keep going. Zach, what is the situation at quarterback this week? Connor Bazelak is back. Um, he's uh, healthy. Tom Allen never told us he was injured. It's it's kind of strange. And this is one of those things that raises an eyebrow because Tom Allen's never really been this way before. Um, he he was really sort of like dodgy and obfuscative after the bye week saying every single, you know, every position got reviewed during the bye week and, um, you know, every job was up for grabs. And so we asked about quarterback and, you know, he said, well, you're just going to find out on Saturday. He wouldn't specify anything. Then we get to Saturday and it turns out Connor Bazelak's been injured all week. Um, and so normally Tom Allen would just say if a guy was injured. You know, yeah. and especially with such a sort of natural backup in Jack Tuttle, he would just say Jack Tuttle starting, Connor Bazelak's hurt. Then we find out Bazelak, at least by Tom Allen's sort of pronouncements, had it sounded like maybe not one specific injury. He was just really beat up, so they gave him a week off, which is strange, but whatever. So <laughs> then there's there's all this sort of misdirection. They start Jack Tuttle, then he gets hurt. He hurt his shoulder. He's, I think, kind of week to week right now. Dexter Williams, I thought the redshirt sophomore had some in what what was actually his college debut, had some good moments and some bad moments against Penn State. Bazelak is back. Bazelak will start. I don't think it's a situation, you know, I don't want to say anything definitively because Tom Allen has been sort of out of character around this. He's not usually so like so evasive and so so sort of intentionally smoke and mirrors vague. Mm-hmm. Um I do, though, tend to believe him that, like, it's going to be Bazelak. It's not Bazelak until he keeps screwing up and then they'll go to somebody else. If you see Dexter Williams, my my guess is that it would be more in a – it's 35-7 to 7 with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. We're just going to put the, the kid in to get some snaps because this game is, is too far gone. Um but wow, it, Indiana's going to have a 35 to 7 lead. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they're really going to pour it on when they bring the backup in. There uh, we go. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it 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 it's just kind of weird because this has been out of character for Tom Allen in in being this cagey and this mm-hmm. evasive. Um, there are times where he won't tell us things, but when he won't tell us, he'll basically just say, I'm not telling you because I I want the competitive advantage or whatever. Um, he's not usually so sort of, like I said, smoke and mirrors. And so my point is, it's going to be Bazelak. I can't tell you how hurt he was. I don't know how fragile he's going to be in this game. I'm not even completely positive who his backup is because we don't know exactly what Jack Tuttle's status is. Uh, all I can say definitively is that Bazelak will start. And then from there, my guess is if he's if he's able to play, he will remain the quarterback as long as the game remains remotely competitive. I remember Indiana played like three quarterbacks against Ohio State last year too, right? It was a, it was an odd game where I don't think we knew who was going to be going into it. And then over the course of the game, I think in the first half, even three three different guys played uh, the quarterback position in that game. It was kind of strange. Um, I want to flip to the other side, Zach. The Desan McCullough, former Ohio State uh, commit, I think a guy that was in this in the class people were really excited about. Uh, how does Indiana use him, I guess? and and I don't know, in terms of playmakers to look out for on the defensive side of the ball for, for the Hoosiers, where does he rank on that list? 
He's high on it. Um, Indiana plays him at a number of spots. They'll play him at one of their DN spots. They call the bull. They'll play him at a, a, a couple different linebacker spots. Like they have, they, they run what in essence is a four, two, five. Um, the, they have three linebacker spots, but one of them is basically sort of um, optional based on what the, what the, if they're playing a power offense, they'll, you know, they'll play three linebackers essentially when, when Cincinnati was playing 12 personnel with two tight ends, Indiana played three linebackers. Um, they'll move him around those linebacker spots a little bit. That can be a little bit selective. I think they've had to, I, basically they, they did this because they just wanted to get him on the field. They just wanted to say like, we want him to be able to play like, three or four different, you know, I was going to say four, but at least three different positions because we want to just be able to get him on the field no matter what. I think they've probably had to pull that back just a little bit because Cam Jones has been hurt. And so they've had to be a little bit more creative at linebacker, which has probably forced them to sort of, you know, sort of reserve his snaps for a little bit more specific, you know, like like just specific to one or two positions. I think you'll see a lot of them at the bull. he is, I mean, athletically, Indiana doesn't have anybody like him. You know, he's his 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 build, his ability to close space very quickly. He's still raw. He he still makes mistakes at times. There's definitely times where he makes freshman mistakes. He overpursues. You know, he 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 makes bad reads and just kind of dives in on things. But the flip side is, you know, it he has the ability like early in the season, Indiana was trying to pivot back to something that worked really well for them in the COVID season that they had to get away from because of injuries last year, which was a lot of blitzing from um, what they call their Husky position, which is essentially sort of their hybrid safety nickel linebacker guy. And their Husky is sorry. That's my washing machine. If you can hear that, it's on the other (laughs) side of this wall. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. That's probably not good. Um, Their Husky, their their starting Husky is a, a, senior named Noah Pierre, who is very talented, but is not very big. And every time they brought Noah Pierre on a blitz, he just, they just threw it. Teams just threw into the blitz and he, he was too small to disrupt it. Um, they stopped doing nearly as much of it. They'll find ways to scheme up to Simon McCullough doing it instead and not playing him that Husky. They're not going to expect that much of him in coverage right now, but when he does it, even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, he can't throw into it because he's six, four, he's six, five. He's got long arms. He's got great, sort of reaction times and things like that. So athletically, he's, I mean, he's right up there, especially with Cam Jones out. And I don't know if Cam Jones will play this week and he's been out for several weeks. Um, you know, it, it, it. they keep saying he's getting closer, but we'll see. Um, he wants to come back. He's out of eligibility after this year. So I think literally, even if he could just play like the Purdue game and nothing else, I think he would do it. Um, but especially with Cam Jones out, you know, when you're talking about guys that you need to, not just make the run of the mill plays, but like the the game changing plays, whether it's the sack, the you know the turnover, or sometimes even like you know a couple times a season we've seen him chase somebody down from behind and stop a touchdown, and then maybe you turn that into a field goal and that saves you four points. He's he's at or near the top of that list, especially if you kind of break this defense into, into its two chunks, which are like the front five six the guys that bring the pass rush, the, the pressure, et cetera. And then the secondary in that, in that, in, in the box, in and around the box, he's as high on that list as anybody. Zach, um, one of my favorite things is your Kevin Wilson impersonation, which is really uncanny. Um, what were your uh, experiences like covering Kevin Wilson? What, uh, what was your favorite uh, or funniest moment during that tenure? 
Uh, so, so Kevin was in Indiana for six years and yeah, Kevin was genuinely a lot of fun. And I think, I, I think even, even he might, and I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing even Kevin would admit that, you know, Indiana had to adjust to him a little bit. He came from Oklahoma, you know, he was walking into a, an IU football program that really, you know, obviously it doesn't necessarily have a ton of advantages, um, right now, but I mean, it was just finishing its 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 uh weight room then it hadn't revamped its locker room all those different kinds of things so kevin definitely needed to adjust to indiana a little bit indiana needed to adjust to kevin and what i mean by that is like kevin taught indiana how to how a, a, a modern power five program should behave how to recruit how to develop how to strength train you know the extent to which he like looked around and just said there's so much you're doing wrong from an infrastructural perspective, but also from like a talent acquisition perspective, how you're targeting coaches, you know, what you're doing with strength training, all those kinds of things. And some of it was just Indiana had, you know, in the, in the nineties and early two thousands had made a ton of bad financial decisions that left the department, you know, I mean, Indiana was in the red financially up until about 2007, 2008. So Kevin was hired in 2010. That was when Indiana was finally getting to be able to use big 10 money to build things and all that BTN money to build stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I would say by like year three, year four, things had really like Indiana had really settled into, you know, what Kevin wanted. Obviously he built, uh, I mean, what around here is a generational offense in 2015. It was the first, I don't know if anybody's done it since, but it was the first, um, it was the first Big Ten team since, I think, 1995 Ohio State to have a 3,500-yard passer, 2,000-yard rushers, and a 1,000-yard receiver all on the same offense. Um, and Kevin also definitely got more comfortable. Like he's, I don't know if anybody knows what Little Five is, but he started attending the Little 500, which is a, a spring bike race in Bloomington's a big tradition. 20,000 people go every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started attending basically every year. Um, you know, he, he really, I think, kind of – uh, started to have fun on Twitter and things like that. And uh, I think the, if you ask for like a funny Kevin Wilson story, the one that I wrote, the one that jumps to mind the most was, um, I don't remember what year it was. It, it definitely would have been more toward the end of his tenure. One of his last spring seasons, Indiana got like a spring snow and the way that Indiana's practice indoor practice facility is oriented it casts a shadow on one of its practice outdoor fields most of the time. And like, as an example, one of the things Kevin asked for almost immediately was to turn that field into turf because when it would rain or when it would snow, that part of the field would just turn into a mud pit. And he's like, we can't have one of our practice fields just not be usable. And it was just the sort of thing where Indiana was like, Oh yeah, I don't, maybe we should have thought of that. Like, how did we not (laughs) think of that? Um, but anyway, so, so by this point it was turf and there was snow all over it and like Kevin broke and the, uh, they, they, it was around the Harlem shake time because they played the Harlem shake and all the players ran out and started jumping around in the snow and Kevin went out and laid down on his back and started making snow angels. (laughs) And, and it was like, I mean, it was just, you know, for a guy who, as you guys know, can be serious, you know, can be very sort of just like football, whatever. Um, he could still let his hair down from time to time. And, um, you know, obviously, I mean, what I've, what I said a lot around the time he was fired was, you know, I played football in high school in the early two thousands. I'm not absolving Kevin of everything he did. I'm not passing judgment on everything he did. I recognize a lot of what my coaches did to me and some of Kevin's methods, 
the biggest thing I would ultimately say is if your boss told you to stop doing something or you'd get fired and found out you were, you'd, you'd done it again, or you were still doing it, you're probably getting fired. That's true of me. It's true of you. It was true yeah. of him. So, um, you know, you can, in that debate will go on forever because there are people around here who miss Kevin, who misses personality, who certainly misses offenses. Um, because I, I don't know that I've ever been around a coach that was smarter talking about offense than Kevin Wilson. Right. Um, but you know, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. And I mean, he had, you know, he had a lot of success, especially in recruiting. I mean, is Indiana going to have two all Americans on the same offensive line for three years again? Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen, but yeah. Well, he gave us some pretty competitive Indiana Ohio state games. I'm not sure that we're going to get one on Saturday, <laughs> but I guess we'll find out at noon. Uh, we appreciate very much Indy stars, Zach Osterman joining us. Uh, one of our, one of our best friends on the beat, uh, a big 10, uh, gift. I would call him to journalism. Does that sound right, Zach? Do I owe you any more money for that, or are we good? That, that sounds overly generous. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a gift unto itself. <laughs> All right. Well, I did the best I could. We do appreciate his time uh, and his coverage. You can find that, uh, as always, at in the Indy Star. Uh, subscribe and get his work there. If you need more information about the Hoosiers, and he didn't cover it on the podcast daily with us. For Zach and Bill, I'm Austin. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will see you for more coverage on the podcast and ohiostate.rivals.com.